Hello and welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. Today, Giant Talk is delighted to be joined by not one, but two guests. With me today, I have Sarah Parr and Ian Adams. Sarah is an executive coach and has a background in coaching and consulting. Sarah also has over 10 years of experience in the social housing sector and is a non-exec director of two organisations in the sector. Ian is assistant director at Magenta Living, the largest housing provider in Wirral, owning and managing around 12,500 properties. And Ian is also the OKR lead for Magenta Living. Today, we're going to talk about the challenges faced in the UK social housing sector and why OKRs are a great fit in helping tackle those challenges. So welcome both Sarah and Ian. I'm delighted to have you with us for today's episode. So before we get into you know, into our conversation, please can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? And let's start with Sarah. Thanks, Carly. And um, thanks for inviting me to be part of the podcast, which is really exciting. Um, I think I often tell people that I, I fell into the social housing sector um, and it, it wasn't really something that was on my radar um, until I went to work for a software business a number of years ago who sold their product into the sector and that really opened my eyes up to everything that social housing does. Um, I've I've always really had a, a very strong social purpose so naturally the sector appealed to that and I've kind of stayed attached to social housing in various ways for about for about 10 years now as you said. Um, so currently I, I run my own coaching and consultancy business and I work with boards and senior leadership teams, um, both independently and through a number of specialist partner organisations. And really that's how I came to be working with their Be Giants. So I'm now working with the team there, supporting the implementation and the rollout of OKRs with, with some of our clients, which is, um, which is great fun and, um, and really interesting for me. And as you mentioned, I do also hold a couple of non-executive roles with organisations that provide social housing, um, which gives me slightly different perspective as well. So um, I like to think that ultimately that benefits my clients as well, because I've always got half an eye on what their what their board and other stakeholders are, uh, are thinking. So that's that's a bit about me. Thanks, Sarah. And, and yeah, it's great to obviously have you on board um, with Debbie. Every Giants team and um, system with our OKR implementation for our clients. Ian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, hi Carly. Um, somewhat like Sarah, I too kind of fell into social housing by accident, but kind of via a different route. Um, I was at university on a degree I didn't like. Um, managed to get myself off that degree and was running around looking for um, something that appealed a bit more. Um, to my interest really and eventually found myself on a housing studies degree at Sheffield Hallam University and so I've kind of been in housing since student days um, graduated in 1993 which will give you an idea of my age um, and since then I've worked in a number of housing associations across Merseyside uh, starting off in housing officer roles um, up to kind of the position I'm at now as business assurance and performance director at Magenta Living uh, excuse me. My current role, um, I'm responsible for working with the board and the exec teams on things such as strategic planning, business assurance, performance and risk management, customer research, 
bits around data governance and data quality. And I'm also our organization's data protection officer. Uh, so that's a bit of background about me and my kind of professional roles. Thanks, Ian. That's great. So I think a good place to start um, is let's start by discussing some of the, the challenges currently being faced in the social housing sector and all that. Maybe Ian, start something. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there, are, there are a few which spring to mind. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking kind of more um, kind of long-term strategic as opposed to kind of the, the hopefully shorter-term challenges that we're currently facing around kind of dealing with, you know, COVID and the pandemic issues. Um, I think one of the main significant challenges for the um, social housing sector is going to be the, the whole low-carbon agenda in a number of ways that presents challenges. Firstly, around the affordability of those kind of requirements for existing social housing stock and also the capacity of kind of the supply chain to meet the need to you know, supply those kind of low carbon initiatives across existing housing stock. But I think also there's a number of challenges in terms of new development and new build. I think we're increasingly going to see um, a reliance upon more modern methods of con uh, modern methods of construction um, to develop more thermally efficient homes, which is great in one way because it's helping that low carbon agenda. But again, you would think we're also likely to experience kind of supply chain issues, and I think also it's likely to present challenges for customers because thermally efficient homes obviously require people to live in them within a different way than they currently live in. Kind of you know more traditionally built homes, you know not opening windows, for example, and things like that. So I think there's some challenges there. Um, I think the whole issue around customers, the customer experience and customer expectations uh, is an area of challenge, um, not least because a, it's the right thing to do, but also it's going to be backed up by changes to regulation. Uh, you know, the, the, the regulators currently review the, uh, the consumer standards from the RSH. Um, and I think also one of the challenges for the sector um, is around internal organisational issues, around organisational culture and the way we work, and you know the whole issue around the world of work. Um, the majority of housing organisations, in my experience, before the pandemic, were kind of traditional. Everybody's in the office type kind of organisations, which obviously no longer applies. And that presents a number of challenges to the way that we work with ourselves and we interact with each other and, we, and the ways in which we interact with our customers. Um, so that's some of the key challenges that I think we're likely to face. Yeah, thank you. There's some, um, yeah, some interesting points, I think, especially around the the culture and the, and the internal issues. Um, I think it's hit home, um, I guess, over the past well, two years now, shall we say, um, since, since the pandemic and having to really rethink how teams work, especially when you've got maybe half the team at home working remote or um, or, or more. Um, Sarah, I wonder if you've got any other, I guess, points to add on, on to that in terms of challenges? Yeah, thanks, Carly. And, and I absolutely agree with everything that Ian's just, just said there. Um, I think there's a couple of other things on my mind. I think just just building on that that internal challenge that we've just talked about you know I, I think I think housing um, has a great opportunity actually in 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 thinking about staff and I think you know 
with all organisations, there's a real challenge at the moment in terms of competing for getting the best staff and retaining them. And I think one of the things that really works well for housing, that is a challenge and it is a risk. I mean, you know, it's it's shot to the top of risk registers for, for boards. But but I think that, you know, um, you know, connecting if if organizations can can help staff really connect to the purpose and the good that that housing is doing, then there's a real win there for them. Um I think the others that were were in my mind, I think this idea of competing priorities, you know, I think more than ever, really, housing's going to have to do more. There's such a need within our society for the services and the support that housing organisations provide. And it's not just about housing for a lot of these organisations, it's about other support services as well. But, you know, we all know that um, there's going to be some... Um, some real need to look at funding um, and, and and start to um, find a way to recoup some of what we've had to spend over the past couple of years. So I think there's going to be a real need as ever to, to just think a bit more creatively. Um, and I think it's those organisations that are going to, going to come through. Well, we've also got the uncertainty around the political landscape that we're operating in as well, you know, and, and, and who knows what that's going to look like over the next few years. So, yeah, I, I think there are some real challenges, but I do think housing is in a great position to try and address those, but but need to be on the front foot with it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I think that gives a good overview of, of the key challenges faced in, in the sector. Let's dig a little bit into OKRs and just want to start by asking, Ian, how did you come across OKRs and what was the rationale behind using them at Magenta? Um, like much change, um, our kind of journey towards OKRs began with a crisis. Um, we had a significant internal issue relating to how we managed and maintained our housing stock, um, which ultimately led to us self-reporting to our regulator uh, because we felt we were potentially in breach of one of their regulatory standards. Um, so we did a big piece of work researching into kind of you know the, the causes behind the issue that we identified, and what it basically boiled down to, when we got to the real brass tacks of it, was um, we basically weren't living our organisational values. Our organisation has three values, which are ambition, adaptability, and accountability. Um, in, particularly in relation to the you know the issue itself, but then when we looked at it more deeply we could see that it was evidence across the whole organisation um, that, um, you know, kind of traditional things and, and problems that you identify when you when you start digging into these things as, you know, people working in silos, lack of ownership, lack of accountability, um, a, issues around data, technology, um, and issues around engagement and communication. Uh, and so... Long story short, we ended up in a position where we had a number of interim executive directors working with us, and I was reporting to one of them. Um, and he basically quickly observed that um, certainly at a, a kind of senior level, executive and board level, that the uh, the attention of the board and the executive team was just spread far too thinly um, in order for them to be able to effectively run the organisation. So he was speaking to me and he said, um, have you ever heard of OKRs? 
And I said, no, he said, there's a book by John Doe. Go away and read it. Come back and we'll have a chat. Um, so I did um, and quickly realised the potential benefits of OKRs in helping us address some of the issues that we'd identified on the back of this, this issue that we had, um, specifically around helping the board, the exec and management really clarify and focus on what's important, really helping us to focus on the outcomes as opposed to monitoring the delivery of what seemed like an, an incessant number of to-do lists. Um, the big winner um, in terms of you know, the, the big kind of potential benefit that we saw around um, should we choose to deploy OKRs was around the whole issue around involvement and engagement of colleagues. Mm. Um, We've been learning for years through staff surveys and the like that our middle managers in particular felt particularly disengaged from kind of the whole process of um, determining not just what we do, but what it is that we want to achieve and how we'll go about achieving it. And having read the book and spoken to a few people, I quickly realised that OKRs would have a real benefit in helping us start to address some of those things. Um, one of the key benefits for me, um, particularly given my role, and it, it was kind of a personal win, if you like, was I could see how it could massively help us reduce kind of the duplication of oversight and governance that we had going on in the organisation. So, for example, we'd have what we called our annual plan, which kind of captured everything that we did and progress on that would be reported to board every time they met. But accompanying that, there'd also be secondary reports on everything which was already in the annual plan. So I could see through the OKR system, the potential to remove a load of that duplication. The benefit for the board and the executive of that is it frees up a load more of their time to focus on what's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. I think there's a few things that you've mentioned there, which, you know, you identified was causing some of the, the issues um, during, I guess, the, the crisis. So they're working in silos, the lack of accountability and, and obviously the, the big factor of engagement or, um, you know, not as much engagement, um, which OKRs can definitely um, help with. So I know we've touched on some of the benefits there, but so what would you say, um, why would you say, sorry, OKRs are a great fit for the social housing sector and what are the benefits, benefits are to be had? Um, I think I, I, I started to touch on one earlier around this idea of connecting staff to, to kind of the purpose of the organisation. And, you know, that, that not only is a great kind of motivational tool for, for colleagues, but actually, you know, when you step back and look at what, um, you know, the workforce of the future, those, those coming into work now are looking at, then actually I think what we're going to see is much more focus from people on, on um, purpose and values within um, an organisation, and I think OKRs are a really great way of of enforcing that. And I think the other thing about that is, you know, a lot of organisations in housing have diversified. Um, they've they've perhaps got bigger. There's been quite a lot of mergers in the sector. So actually, you're talking about large organisations, lots of different teams, and and I think OKRs provide a great opportunity for for organisations to really focus on what's important in each area of the business, but but 
but keeping it all connected, you know, and staying true to the common goals and the strategy that the, the board have set. Um, and I think there's massive, massive potential uh, there. Um, I think the other great benefit and opportunity is this idea around agility and around innovation. So I think more and more, it's more and more difficult, isn't it, to see what's going to happen over the next 12 months even. Mm, yeah. You know, so so having something like OKRs that means you're regularly revisiting what's important, I think is just a really great tool given how quickly things change. You know, and I think, I, I don't know if others would agree, it might have a view. I think the housing sector surprised itself a little bit when the pandemic started about about the agility that it had within it, you yeah. know, and that it could change. And I think, you know, if you get, if, if OKRs can really help to sort of tap into that and make sure that this is, this is sustained. This is not something that we just did in crisis mode, you know, and it's bringing in people, you know, we, we all know as well, often the best ideas within an organization are created in those that are at the front line, you know, that are in our teams, they're not always created by the exec or the senior leadership team or the board, you know, and 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 and, and having a system where you're creating, you know, you're creating OKR squads that that really give people a voice. You know, I I, I just think that that's um, that's going to really tap into a lot of the a lot of the great intellectual capital that you've got right throughout the organization as well. So, yeah, the more I've kind of learned about OKRs in my time, the more I can absolutely see there's a really, really good fit there. Yeah, I think those are two good points that you made. And I think just going back to the um, connecting stuff to, to the purpose of the organization, I think a lot of organizations have seen over the past couple of years, um, like I said, that, jump to purpose I think being um really important I think even when looking for a new a new role or a new career um and we've spoken about it before on podcasts about purpose being more you know purpose over paycheck um the sense of purpose and when and I think that's that's a really important area to to touch on I just want to ask Ian when we previously spoke um, and we was talking about the idea of, of this podcast, you mentioned a failed attempt at deploying OKRs. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about this? Go into a little bit more detail on that. Yeah, sure. Um, um, put my hands up. Uh, it was my mistake. Um, I'd read the book. Um, OKRs. Uh, you know, a relatively simple concept, um, which I mistakenly assumed would be simple to deploy. Um, they weren't. Um, you know, OKRs are both a method of describing things, um, which is okay to describe something writing down, but actually writing good OKRs is, is quite a challenge. Um, I think certainly organisations I've worked in, and I don't know if it's true of the wider sector, but we're great at writing things to do we're not particularly brilliant at describing the outcomes we want to achieve and what evidence that we'll see of having achieved those things. Um, so that takes effort. Um, and the other thing that I massively kind of misunderstood was kind of the, the work involved 
in the OKR process in terms of transitions, check-ins. You know, the, the, the process has a cadence and a light to it, but that cadence of life needs maintaining. And so I underestimated the resource commitments um, to kind of maintain and support in those processes. So in the first year, um, because basically I tried to do it by myself, working with the organisation and the senior leadership team, all we ended up with was another version of our traditional annual plan, but mm-hmm. we called the things within it OKRs, which clearly they weren't. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a learning curve, and it was kind of after that first year, which also tied into the kind of the timing of the incident that we had and, and, and the organisational learning and soul searching that came on the back of that, that we said we can still absolutely see the benefit that OKRs can bring in helping us to move the organisation forward from the position that we were in, but we're probably going to need a bit of help in order to um, to deploy them um, effectively mm-hmm. and well. So, yeah, so that was kind of the, um, the learning curve that we went on. Yeah, and I think the book is, I mean, of course, it's a good place to start, but mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, like you said, you held your hands up and thought you could you know, go and, and run with them and, and implement them, but there's a lot more to it. I think it gives a good understanding of OKRs and how you, yeah. how you can use them, but when it comes to actually implementing them into your organisation, it's um, it's, a different, it's a different subject. And I think, as we say a lot, um, one size doesn't fit all so mm-hmm. you can look at examples and how organisations have set OKRs and implemented them in their organisation but it doesn't necessarily translate in, into yours um, How so how did having gone through that um, I guess failure of, of implementing mm-hmm. them how did you then how did Magenta approach using OKRs and, and how did you find that process um, well, obviously, after kind of the, the first year and the difficulties that we had, we recognised that we'd need some help. So we approached a number of organisations to see who might be a good fit with us uh, and, you know, to work with to help us implement an OKR framework more effectively than we'd managed in that kind of first year. <clears throat> um, we decided to work with Derby Giants. Um, in part because we'd, as an organisation, we previously worked with Georgia Parker, uh, Derby Giants' culture specialist. Um, she'd worked with Magenta Living in the past, so we knew her. She knew us as an organisation, um, which helped. So working with Derby Giants, we developed our first set of annual OKRs and the first quarter OKRs. Um, as part of that process, we recognised that it wasn't something I could try to do on my own. Uh, we needed to take the organisation with us and we needed uh, a group of people with skills, background, knowledge um, to help us, you know, um, increase the likelihood of a successful deployment. So we trained approximately 10 of us as OKR coaches. Uh, we included one of our non-executive board directors as part of that training, um, just so that we had you know, at least one person at board level of an understanding of you know what OKRs are, you know the benefits they can bring. Um, but one of the things that we're also keen to do was also this kind of recognition that with with OKRs, if you're really pushing for kind of growth, innovation, step changes in performance, it's important to recognise that it, you know you are going to fail to hit some key results now and again, but that's okay. Um, you know, kind of, and, and that I think is a bit of a cultural change. It requires quite a, you know, like adult-adult conversation between the board and the organisation. Um, so that was one of the reasons why we wanted, you know, an non-exec board director on that cohort. 
subsequent to that, we then put a further six colleagues through to OKR master level. Um, and the rationale for that was to give those people an even greater skill set um, to particularly enable us to work with the leaders in the organization, the board, the exec team, because we need to take them on the journey with us, obviously, uh, and give us the greater chance of success with our deployment. Um, in terms of how we found it, uh, I think it's been rewarding for everybody involved. Um, but, you know, like anything, it's not been without its challenges and we've still got some way to go, I think, before we're forward utilising and fully working with OKRs in a way which is kind of standardised and fully understood by the organisation. Um, at the moment, we have, you know, not to get too technical on the process, but we've kind of kind of annual and quarterly OKRs. We've not really cascaded it down um, to a greater level of granularity beyond that level. Um, we're still learning as we go, and we are still very much at the start of that journey. Um, so some of the challenges we've found around resources and time, it is a new way of working. Um, and obviously, this first year has kind of been the first year of a pandemic. And not only are we learning about OKRs, most of us who have traditionally been office-based are still learning how to use things like Zoom and Teams mm. and Group Map and Mural and, you know, kind of all these online collaborative tools that we're, yeah. we're having to become familiar with, which are really useful for um, working with OKRs. Um, the whole load of issues around kind of energy and communications, taking people with us, making sure that we can get face-to-face -face time with people. It, that whole kind of way of working just seems to take a bit more effort than it used to do when you were in a building with each other. Um, and one of the challenges which you mentioned uh, is kind of, you know, this whole issue around being really clear and focused on outcomes, uh, particularly the key results bit articulate the evidence that we're going to see and get into those you know really robust metrics um, that will provide evidence of outcomes being achieved it, it, it's still a learning process for many of us articulating outcomes in that way um, it, we've still got work to do on that I think yeah you mentioned obviously um, you know sometimes not not hitting hitting key results and something that we talk about a lot at Debbie Giants is the concept of test and learn and adapt and I think yeah. it's all part of the process it's not something that everyone's going to get their head around overnight and I think like you said it it takes time and I think it's it's important and it's a good you know, you've gone down the OKR coaching route mm -hmm. um, and it's important I think to have those champions in in the organisation to to keep the momentum going um, with OKR. So I definitely think um, there's some positives there and it seems like you're definitely on the right on the right track and you you sound like an OKR champion talking there. Ian. Um, I think I think the um, you know the, the coaches themselves have found the whole process really more really rewarding, not mm -hmm. just from kind of a personal development point of view, but in helping them liaise with and engage with more colleagues from across the organization because OKRs by the definition and, and the way they're established really kind of drive that kind of cross-departmental mm -hmm. working yeah. engagement and they really kind of help break down some of those departmental silo walls uh, and I think just in terms of you know everyone's feeling a bit more isolated because we're all working out of bedrooms and home offices and sheds and things like this um, but just 
it encourages people to engage with people that they wouldn't necessarily have engaged with had they been, even been in the same building. Um, so we're seeing some real benefits from that in terms of organisational collaboration and cohesion. So it, it's proven really rewarding. Yeah, definitely. That um, working cross-function is really, really important as well. Mm-hmm. You touched a little bit on culture and, as I mentioned, Georgia, the, our culture lead. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the work you've been doing um, on culture alongside the deployment of, of OKRs? Yeah. Um, we have on the back of the you know kind of the, the issues that were, were kind of the catalyst for the decision to deploy an OKR framework, we developed um, a transformational change program, which was we've called uh, the Magenta Way. Mm-hmm. And basically the key um, aims of the Magenta Way, if you like, are to better embed the values of the organization right throughout the organization you know those things around ambition adaptability accountability uh, and okrs obviously um have kind of a great synergy uh, with, with those values particularly around um i think ambition and adaptability um one of the things as i mentioned that we're trying to do is is, is through this kind of cultural transformation work is address some of the issues, particularly, as I mentioned, that our middle managers felt around a lack of engagement um, with the organisation generally, but also in the, the, the what it is we want to achieve, how we're going to go about achieving it, uh, and the OKR process, if you like, really helps with that through you know developing the OKRs themselves. We're, we're, we're pulling in um, a great number of key contributors into determining and drafting what those OKRs are on an annual and quarterly basis. Um, we're more engaged through the transitions and the checking process. So, so that's kind of um, coming along. We've also um, implemented a scheme called uh, Rising Stars. And what that's about is about identifying in and investing in kind of the, the development of our future leaders. Um, so we have um, a number of people at different levels of the organisation, some kind of, you know, frontline staff, for want of a better expression, some kind of team leaders and uh, more junior managers um, have been put through kind of a, um, a, a development programme, um, an externally facilitated, externally facilitated development programme, um, which has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, we had a first cohort kind of graduate from that program um, just before Christmas. And it was it was absolutely really rewarding to see the the changes in some people. Um, you know, some people on that program I'd worked with previously or you know I'd met throughout the organization. And kind of even through working with them quite frequently, you'd identified or you you'd thought that well you know, they might be hiding the lights under the bushel, they're a bit quiet. Um, everyone that came through, it just seemed to be filled with this huge amount of confidence and energy um, and drive to really succeed and help the organisation succeed, which is really kind of inspiring and rewarding to see. Uh, we've also been investing in developing uh, the coaching skills um, and coaching capacity uh, for all managers in the organisation. Um, one of the reasons for that is we want kind of, you know, kind of what you might call one-to-ones, PDPs, performance conversations between managers and uh, people who report to them to be set in kind of a more coaching um, context as opposed to a kind of a command and control, do as I say, do as I do kind of a context. Um, again, to foster um, innovation 
bring ideas through, help support that kind of OKR process and that cultural change that we want. Uh, one of the other things we've also been doing is we've set up a series of what we call colleague experience panels. And in effect, they are groups of staff. They're all kind of um, of a cohort, of a kind of a similar management or organisational level, so people feel more freely and uh, or feel more better able to talk more openly and freely about what it's like to work for Magenta Living. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the rationale for that is we want to kind of, regardless of whether people are involved or not, just kind of increase the general levels of psychological safety within the organisation so that colleagues feel able to speak openly with other colleagues, um, but also, you know, as a mechanism by which we can identify uh, and implement tangible changes to the way we work and have that come from colleagues themselves in kind of a, you know, a, in a forum in which they feel safe to do so. Um, so they're kind of like the main activities that we're, we're doing um, in that area. Um, but OKRs, particularly around the engagement aspects and the ambition and the uh, accountability have been um, really helpful in helping us um, move that agenda along. It sounds like you've got some really positive initiatives there, I think, um, for OKRs to be successful. There was a need to cultivate the right company culture. Um, We know it can be one of the biggest killers of OKRs, so I think um, there's some really... Um, positive things that you've got going on. I think psychological safety is so important. It's something that I became aware of, um, you know, recently when, since I joined Therapy Giants and um, especially talking to Georgia myself. And um, it's so important for, for employees to be able to speak out and not feel afraid of, you know, what you know what they say might not be what people want to hear or just having that openness. I think it's, it's really important. Um, Sarah, what would you say to anyone listening that may be considering the use of OKRs in their organisation is the biggest benefit for doing so? I know we've touched on various benefits. If there was one, I guess you could pinpoint. Is that difficult? Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is difficult. It is difficult because, um, because do you know what, Colly? I had one in mind, <laughs> but but actually something that Ian has, has said when he's been talking has reminded me of another which might just edge it. Am I allowed uh, to have two? Yeah, yeah, let's have two. <laughs> let's give more than one benefit. <laughs> so the one that um that Ian mentioned that I think it's worth just picking up on, you know, I think that that ability to help break down silos that might still exist within the organization um is a really important one. Um, I think that there's been a lot of work done by lots of housing organisations to to try and do that, but I think it still remains a, a challenge. And I think that adopting an OKR approach really proactively tackles some of that. So I, I think that's definitely worth a mention. I think that the other really that I had thought previously was was it is driving that targeted focus on growth mm. or change, you know. So there have been a lot of large transformation programs over the past few years in the sector, but actually we now need to be thinking what comes next and how do we how do we embed that ongoing growth and change? And and in doing that, making sure that that housing organizations 
stay agile and relevant and and ultimately provide the best value to to their customers and the other stakeholders because because that's really what the sector is all about so um so yeah if you'll allow me to have two mm-hmm. I'll have those two thanks yeah no that's fine we'll, we'll let you have two and I was just thinking when you mentioned that about we don't always know what's going to happen change you know is it no. isn't you know it's ever constant but I think it's helping you to be more um, adaptable and agile and I think obviously yeah. that's such a huge benefit um, just to pick up on um, on Sarah's point I think mm-hmm. she makes a good point in that and where it's kind of evident for us is that we've we've already started kind of developing our OKRs for next year um, and it's apparent that the area where we think we're going to have in effect, the best ones if you like are around our basically transforming our service delivery and developing our digital offer and mm-hmm. how we tailor that to the needs of customers. Um, and that kind of whole channel shift to use a, you know, a, a term away from, you know, people in effect are very unlikely to be coming into the office as much as they used to customers, that is. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of whole digital transformation journey will be driven in our place by, uh, by OKRs. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. And finally, Ian, having gone through a failed attempt, can you give our listeners um, a top tip or, or two um, that might help them in deploying OKRs in their in their own organisation? It might be that if there's someone listening that is sort of struggling or going through a sort of failed attempt, and just wonder if you've got. Um, two. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I think before you start, I think it's important to try to you know clarify what benefits it is that you're trying to realize is there a particular issue or problem that you think okrs might help you resolve or a particular benefit that you might want to achieve through okrs how will okrs help um they may not be appropriate for everyone um but they will be appropriate and will be really useful in in, in certain circumstances and situations uh, my key learning and tip is don't underestimate the work involved the mistake I made was thinking that it's just a matter of phrasing things differently, if you like. You know, just let's take let's take a plan and turn it into something that we'll call it OKRs. It's not. It, 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 it's the process and the cadence where the work is, but also the process and the cadence where the real value lies in those benefits around engagement, um, clarity, um, communication. Um, but it does take work and effort. Um, and if you're concerned about it. Um, speak to others and get help if you need to from someone who knows what they're doing um, that was a big benefit um, working with Derby Giants to get our deployment rolled out um, and contributing to its, its success really Thank you, thank you both so much for joining me today, it's been a, I really enjoyed this conversation, I think we started talking about the challenges in the social housing sector but I think there's definitely you know, a lot of positives we spoke about a lot of positives Um to using OKRs um, in the sector and, and the benefits that you can get out of that. Um, and I think it's been a real positive conversation and it's good to hear how Magenta are working with OKRs um, and I guess talking about, you know, that there are challenges in the social housing sector, but there's, there's also over the past year identified many, I guess, opportunities. Um, so I really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you both for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank to you. 
Thank you. And thank you to our Giant Talk listeners for listening to another episode. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can get in touch with us by emailing growth at and stay tuned for another episode. Thank you.